Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Colin Douthit. Yep, correct. <laughs> Colin has a background as a professional engineer and is a real estate investor. He is the owner of Atlas Property Management, where he manages over 600 units. And most recently, he co-founded a construction company called Atlas Construction. So thank you for joining us on the show today, Colin. And I know you're an expert in property management, so I really want to get and get your expertise and your know-how and everything like that in the field. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Eileen, and glad to share whatever knowledge I can with you guys. Thank you. So if we can get started, and if you can share a little bit more about your background and just how you got into real estate, I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So like a lot of people, I started my life with a W-2 job. As you stated, I'm an engineer. So went and got a couple engineering degrees, got my professional engineering license, went that uh, corporate route for a number of years kind of did the gateway drug into real estate investing with a rich dad, poor dad. I read that and, you know, it was a big paradigm shift for me. So really started digging into investing. About a year later, I was under contract on my first property, which was a seven unit apartment building in the town that I live in. And then as we were going through that deal, I lost my job. I got fired. Apparently I'm a better entrepreneur than I am employee. So got that deal across the finish line. You know, after having a handful of W-2 jobs, I decided I want to give this in real estate investing a run. So I started acquiring some doors personally. I started partnering with a few people. We built up a portfolio, 60, 70, 80 doors. I was the one that was responsible for managing them all because everybody else was at their W-2 job. And so, you know, from there, I was like, I, maybe I should start a property management company. My goal initially was like, if I could just have enough third-party management that I get my management for free, then that would really be great. And now we're over 600 doors, staring down a thousand, probably by early, mid Q1. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So, yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's it's really exciting. So, you know, we've had a lot of growth, very thankful for the opportunities that we've had, but really just saw an opportunity to bring some value to other out-of-state investors because, you know, being an investor myself for about two, two and a half years before I started a property management company and being a property manager on my own stuff, I learned a lot that I was able to then apply to third-party management. Great. And you mentioned a little bit about when you got fired from your job and you decided to make the move into a full-time real estate investor. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset shift from going from a regular working W-2 job to becoming your own entrepreneur? Uh, mindset shift. Well, A, you don't have a check coming in every week, right? So uh, frugality becomes very important. Uh, thankfully, my wife, you know, she continued to work and I'd always had this entrepreneurial niche, always been trying to get some stuff going on the side and wasn't able to give it my full attention because engineering can be very time consuming, demanding uh, profession. So I was never able to have the success that I wanted to. So we'd always kept our expenses low, knowing that at some point I was going to make the leap. And the leap was made for me. And so really it just was like, okay, how do we continue to maintain low expenses? And how do we then start to generate our own income? And also having that self-motivation to not just sit at home and be like, well, okay, I've got 12 rental properties. I'm just going to sit at home now and not do anything, but continue to try to, to grow, to supplement the income and pursue some other opportunities. 
Great. Thank you. And can you talk a little bit about that first deal that you first got into and how did you find it and kind of walk us through that? Well, it's a very unsophisticated way of finding it. So I'm in the Kansas City market, go Chiefs there behind me. But I live in a small town outside of Kansas City by choice, kind of wanted to live on in some rural area, have some land and a few animals. And so I was working in Kansas City, driving out there. And one day I'm driving home and on the main drag through my small town, there's a little apartment building on a corner. It says for sale by owner. I was like, this is what I've been looking for. This is perfect. I love this small town. And so I call up the owner I'm like, hey, I'm interested. We tour it. Say, okay, here's what I can do. I'll give you X percent down. I'd like for you to owner finance it because I knew he owned it free and clear. And so we know we got a five-year balloon on that. And then I owned it for 12 months and then did a cash out refi after I got the rents up and pulled the initial investment back out. Oh, great. And Colin, what did you do after you bought that first seven unit property? How did you go from there into the next property? Yeah, so that was a really big step. Obviously, for buying anything like that, every time you know you buy your first deal, it feels like a huge step. So I was really just, I was everything, right? I was the property manager. I was the maintenance guy. I was the make ready guy. I was the leasing agent. I, you know, I, I did everything. So, you know, learning all that. But then the next step was starting to discuss other opportunities with some friends or partners on, hey, here's the house in this market. We really focused in this kind of tertiary market because that's just where I was. It was easy. And we were starting to see a lot of high demand for rental properties out there. So we could take something that was renting for 450, put a little bit of money into it and get it to 650. So that was an easy, an easy step for us out here to 30, 40, 50% rental increase. So start taking down a few single family houses and then a couple of packages of single family homes came available. And we took those down one summer with a couple different groups and just started growing it that way. Great. Yeah. And and so after that, was that when you decided to create your own property management company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was probably about 18 months to get my portfolio up to 60 to 70 doors. And then I managed those actively from start to end about two and a half years. And then I started toying with the idea of the property management company. Oh, maybe I can make some money off this, another another stream of income. And then I actually looked at buying a property management company. We got through terms, negotiations, LOI, all that sort of stuff, but it just didn't happen. Couldn't get it across the finish line. So I was like, well, I'm just going to start my own now. So got everything in place to start our own. Said, hey, we're open for business now. Started networking with owners, investors, brokers, getting referrals, and just kind of took off from there. So as you're building up your property management company, what are the types of things that you're looking for when you're meeting with the owners and brokers and like who you want to work with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really want to work with owners that don't want to accept a property in poor condition and leave it in poor condition. So whether that is, hey, I'm buying a class B property, I want to maintain a class B property, or I'm buying a class C, low C, high D, but we're going to sink a lot of money into it on a per unit basis or globally to bring it up to a decent property that we're proud to manage and they're proud to own or or more just not embarrassed to own, right? Because we want to be in assets that we want to manage, that we want to have associated with our brand, but also that give us and the owners the opportunity to succeed with our goals. And so what time frame process do the owners come reach out to you as a property manager to do the walkthroughs of the properties and the due diligence? Can you kind of walk us through that process? Yeah. So once I get familiar with an owner, whether they're under contract or 
have identified a property they want to make an offer on or like, hey, we're starting to look in your market. We'd love to have you in our pocket to help with any due diligence analysis. Uh, So we come in at at many different steps along the way. That's what I tell all our owners. Hey, we're here for you through the due diligence process. We're going to provide rental estimates, construction estimates, and and our input on the market, the property, et cetera, uh, value add opportunities to help them build an accurate pro forma and help them avoid bad deals and find more success on the good deals. So that's really kind of my role in our company right now as we've grown is to help with the due diligence process and the owners and working with them. So we come on pretty early most of the time because we want to have that relationship with the owner. But sometimes we do get, hey, I'm under contract. I wanted to reach out to you. I got a recommendation for you. We close in two weeks. We get that quite a bit as well. So a variety of different ways that we get brought in on deals. And so as they're building up, as they're going through the contract and everything like that, how often are they communicating with you and how often are you communicating with them? Mm -hmm. So we generally communicate with them quite a bit up front, right? When they get it under contract, do a walkthrough of the property, review the inspection report. There'll be a lot of communication. And then there's generally a little bit of a downtime depending on the length of the closing. They've got a 90 day closing. The first 30, 45 days are pretty active the middle 30 days or so, not a ton of communication because they're just really waiting on title work to get back in. And then they, you know, they got to get their financing in line. And then the last two to three weeks before closing, it picks up a little bit, especially if it's a larger multifamily deal where we're saying, okay, let's make sure we have an accurate rent roll so we can put it in our software correctly. Let's do a lease audit to make sure that we know what your prorated rent should be and how much security deposits you should be getting at closing as well. Let's communicate handing off the keys, any paper leases, any documents that we need from the existing property manager or owner so that at close, we have everything that we need to hit the ground running. Great. And so as you're building up your company, how have you guys differentiated yourself from other property managers out there? Well, I mean, I think the due diligence helps probably one of the big ones. Some, you know, I've heard that some owners say that property managers, like, don't talk to me unless you've got something under contract. I want to be working with them as soon as they're looking in this market or have a property identified because I want to prevent them from making a bad decision if possible. So doing that and then really just leveraging technology, which everybody has the opportunity to do that, but leveraging that to be effective communicators and, you know, really staying on top of the tenants and maintenance by just that that extra communication, leveraging the platforms to maximize collections, minimize the time between a maintenance request and completing the requests. And so if we can shift a little bit over to when the property is actually closed and you're coming on as a property manager to this new apartment deal, can you talk us through like the first 30, 60, 90 days of that whole entire process? Mm -hmm. So on day one, when you close on the property or the day after, once the transaction funds, we're going to be on site meeting tenants if possible, posting, uh, we call them welcome packets on all the tenants doors. It says, hey, we're the new PMs. Here's how you contact us. Here's how you pay us. Please fill out this information sheet and send it back to us. So we make sure we have up-to-date contact information. So we're going through that. The first 30 to 60 days never go as smoothly as you want them to, despite how much we try just because tenants are set in their ways. They have a level of expectation about how much handholding they should be getting because maybe the old owner operator was, you know, handholding them and coddling them and collecting rents in person. When you have a large portfolio, that's just not realistic. But if you're, if it's your own 20 unit building, that's all you've got and potentially you're retired and you go around and knock on doors, 
That's great. So we really just try to work with the tenants to get them up to speed and adjusted to professional property management. We're going to follow the rules and regulations. We expect you to pay on time. You know, establishing that rapport with the tenants. And if we're doing a heavy reposition on a property, those first 30, 60, 90 days, we're really identifying tenants that are problem tenants Mm -hmm. that need to get gone as quickly as possible because they're causing issues, whether it's legal issues, illegal activities, fill in the blank, or they're just really driving up maintenance costs for the owner, complaining over stuff that really the tenants should be responsible for. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's a property where we're going to be doing a lot of construction during that first couple months, we are finalizing our construction plan and getting that ball rolling so we can start executing unit turns so we can get vacant units filled or getting people on site to address large maintenance items that need to be taken care of. Awesome. And so... I kind of wanted to ask a little bit about during this time, during the COVID time, you know, we have all these different laws coming into place and everything like that with the tenant issues. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges you've seen? Well, I think that when we look back at COVID for us as a property management company, there's really been two waves, if you will. There was the initial shutdown where everything shut down. Everybody started offering discounts, free rent, discounts on your insurance, mortgage forbearance, et cetera. We really worked with the tenants to say, hey, we're going to waive late fees, but your payments are still due. Even if you pay 60 days late, we'll still waive your late fees. We're trying to be empathetic here, but we're not going to give you a free pass because owners still have mortgage payments. They still have insurance payments, utility payments, et cetera. And then we still have to pay our bills because if we don't collect, we don't make any money. So I'm working with them empathetically, not coddling them, but not the iron fist, you know, developing a relationship because on these, you know, you see the stuff circulating the internet and it's, Hey, this is what the PM company posted on my door. Let's boycott them because evictions were banned for a while. And then when that first moratorium let up, we really got after it to get out tenants that we wanted to get out before COVID happened. And we were frankly in the process of, and then it got shut down. And then the second wave happened where federally the CDC shut everything down again, which we are 21 days or so away from that opening back up if it doesn't get extended. This one's been uh, different because they can sign affidavits that they've been trying, but the burden of proof then is on the property manager if they want to get them out. So we know people have blank, blank, blatantly been lying on these affidavits, but we have to balance how much of the owner's money we want to spend with attorneys to fight that. We've been able to find the other lease violations to get them out, but collections have been better than I think we expected across the board. The first wave hit us a little bit harder than the second wave did. Last month in November, we had 98% collections. So pretty happy with that all in all. I mean, that's probably better better to where or where we would expect it to be outside of COVID. So so has there ever been a time, especially during COVID times, you know, where your opinion and suggestions about how to handle a situation differs from like the owner's um, opinions and like, how is that usually handled? I don't think that we've had any differences of opinions with our owners. We communicate a lot with them and we, we all have aligned goals. A lot of times the property manager's goals and the owner's goals are aligned since we collect based upon revenue we collect. We have aligned goals. We didn't have any owners that said, hey, wave, just totally give May's rent away. We don't want to collect May's rent. Nobody said that because that's crazy. But we haven't had any differences of opinions on that. Some of them asked to, hey, waive late fees. And we're like, well, that's already in our plan. But 
when COVID hit, the shutdown hit, we communicated with our owners right away. You know, within the first week, I'm sending out a video to all my owners explaining, hey, here's what's happened. Here's what our plan is. Let me know if you have any questions or you don't agree with the plan. Had a few questions, but I had no disagreements on the plan. And were there any challenges that you face as you're building up your property management company and looking to continue to grow? I think the biggest challenge that anybody faced is really hiring. That's been the first challenge. Uh, Luckily, we've had a lot of great hires on our team that we're really thankful for that have come in and really hit the ground running and performing. So that's been one of the really big challenges. And then second is just outgrowing our systems. When you're at 200 doors, you can manage a lot in your brain. When you're at 600 doors, when you're past that, a lot of it, you have to rely on your internal systems and start to put them in place to be able to handle the volume of work that's coming through. You have to promote, you have to have middle management at that point, because there's a lot of details that go on, a lot of transactions, a lot of communications with owners and with tenants. That makes sense. And so... Now you've established your property management company, you're managing Mm -hmm. over 600 doors. What was kind of the mindset shift to also co-found your construction company, Atlas? Yeah. Yeah. So Atlas Construction, I co-own that with my partner, Adam. Um, We also own Atlas Property Management together at this point. Him and I, we went to college together. We're both engineers, both civil engineers with a construction background. And so once I kind of had Atlas Property Management up and running. I was doing some construction work on the side, but it really wasn't gaining the traction that it needed because property management's growing, construction's growing, maintenance going, and I'm just trying to manage all this and stay afloat. So I said, hey, Adam, let's come in. Let's join forces. I've known him for 15 years. I said, let's hit this together. You've got construction experience. I do. You're really good on the field operations. I'm really good on the office operations. So we just divided and conquered, knowing that together we could bring more value to the market than either one of us could apart. And for your property management company and your construction company, are you guys mostly focused in the Kansas City um, market or are you looking at other areas as well? Right now we are in the Kansas City market and surrounding areas. So kind of our rules within an hour of our office, which gives us quite a reach out here as opposed to LA where you're at. In an hour, you can cover a lot of geographic area out in the Midwest. So, And so what is next for you and your company? Great question. So continued growth is where we're at right now. Um, now that we've continued to refine our systems, bringing more value to the owners, we would like to penetrate the Kansas City market further in certain niches that we're not already in. Grow some class A management right now would be another great step for us to to take next. You know, we've already got our finger in some of that pie, but we'd like to have a bigger slice of that. Continue to grow the construction work, which that's been really great. You know, we have a lot of owners out of state or syndicators and they say, Hey, I want to value add this property. It needs X amount of work. And we come in and we handle that as a tandem and the coordination between property management and construction is pretty smooth. So those, those are some of the next big steps there. I would love to look at acquiring a property management company, possibly as the older generation starts to look towards retirement or divesting of their portfolio. That's kind of the next step for us. Great. And how has real estate investing impacted your life so far, Colin? Well, it's allowed me to go from being an employee to owning a couple of my own businesses, plus a good chunk of real estate. So it's really changed my life completely. When I was raised, I was raised by professionals, all with multiple levels of higher education. And so the professional track was was what was set out for me and then didn't really seem like I had any other options. So I have a 
level of freedom that I don't feel like I had before. Aside from, you know, hey, you're your own boss, you can take off whenever you want, which I think I take less vacation now than <laughs> I did when I was an employee. You know, they say, hey, you're going to lose your job security. And then once you start reading more of these real estate books, entrepreneur books, you realize that job security is fleeting. And I experienced that. And so I feel much more secure now than I did when I was a high paid professional. And what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Mm. One of the first deals I made with those packages of houses, we thought we could just go ahead and cash flow the rehabs as needed based upon a really high occupancy. And once we got into the property, we realized the quality wasn't quite where we wanted it to be. And as the vacancy started, the cash flow wasn't there to support the rehabs. And so trying to unwind that, refinance the whole package, get some construction funds. Yeah. So the one thing I wished I would have known is what a construction loan <laughs> really was and how to leverage that to stabilize an asset and set you up for success instead of failure. Great. Can you actually elaborate a little bit on the construction loan? Yeah. So we just bought this package. Like I said, we thought we were in a cash flow. We have been hunting for a refinance on this property for a while now, finding the right partner. And also the geographic location makes it a little bit more challenging because it's in one of these rural towns to find a bank that'll work with you. So the construction loan is, okay, we're going to refinance the principal amount and get a better amortization, better interest rate. And then we have a large construction loan that we can draw against as needed to rehab the houses to get the occupancy up. And then that's we have 12 months to draw those funds out. And once we've drawn those funds out over 12 months, we are going to then, they're just going to wrap the whole construction loan into the principal amount of the, of the original note. Oh, thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So do that. And then don't think you're going to cash flow it because <laughs> life happens and it doesn't, it doesn't always work that way. And so what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? It's a good question. What I have seen when I was doing it all myself versus where I am now, it's the team. It really is the team. And Adam and I, we both played football together in college. So team was always a really big thing for us. But having a team to surround you with, whether it's a property manager, contractor, a bank insurance, there's always a, hey, build your team before you get into the market. I was flying solo for a long time. And as I have built the team around me and leveraged the team's talents, especially where I am weak and they're strong to find that complementary. We've been able to take our real estate investing and our companies to the next level. And what tools or techniques have you used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life? When we started out from the very beginning, I wanted to be able to be mobile. I don't think that I ever had dreams of sitting on a beach in Mexico with my laptop working, but to be able to travel and see family that lives out of state, something as simple as that. So we've used technology. Everything we have is cloud-based, Google Drive, property management software, banking, everything so that we can do it from home. If we need to, we continue to come in the office every day during COVID's initial shutdown because we were essential and we were growing so much during that time frame with new staff that we couldn't afford to not be together and learning together, but just really leveraging technology so that we can track everything better. So Colin, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you do? 
Yeah. So uh, they can find me on LinkedIn under Colin Douthit. Um, that's a great way to get a hold of me. They can check out Atlas Property Management at www.atlas.rentals. Schedule a time to chat with me. We can talk about construction or property management or both. And then, yeah, just check me out on LinkedIn as well. It's where we're putting a lot of social media stuff right now. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Colin. Really appreciate everything that you shared with us today. You're very welcome, Eileen. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Boniface Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.